Brick Moon Fiction presents Pinched by Lauren A. Forey Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Becca slammed the book on the floor, narrowly missing Seb's foot. An epic coming-of-age story? Please, she rolled her eyes. It's a whiny diatribe of a needy white boy who always makes bad decisions. Are you sure we read the same book? Seb reread the inside flap of his copy. Did your edition include the part where all he does is get drunk and high with his creepy Russian friend for 200 pages? The train rocked gently side to side. Seb swiveled in the driver's chair to check the controls and glanced out the windshield. The snow's getting worse. Becca kicked her book across the metal floor, hitting Seb in the back of his ankle. Don't change the subject. We're having a discussion. I'm having a discussion. You're picking a fight. He picked up her copy and handed it out to her. Becca crossed her arms. I thought you would like it, Seb said. A woman wrote it. What's that supposed to mean? Seb grimaced. Nothing. No, clearly it's supposed to mean something or else you wouldn't have said it. I meant you get mad at me for always choosing books by men. So you thought a book like this would make me happy? Did you even read what it was about before you picked it? Spoiled rich boys, fancy art, cold and manipulative stepmothers. To be honest, it kind of reminded me of your family. Becca snatched the book out of his hands. That was a joke. I was joking. Ha ha. Seb left the driver's seat and wrapped her up in a warm hug. She kept her hands clutched on the heavy book. I'm sorry I upset you, he said. She mumbled into his chest. I'm not upset. I just thought it would be fun to pick a book that fit the theme of the trip. It's about a dude and his obsession with art and weird transporting art for your stepbrother, who's a dude with an obsession for art, amongst other things, and I thought... Becca pushed Seb away and left the driver's cab. Once the compartment door clicked shut behind her, she slammed the book onto the ground, but the sound was muffled by the carpet in their cabin. So she picked it up and dropped it onto their little dining table, where it left a satisfying smack and rattled the dirty dishes left over from dinner. Taped on the wall above the table were photos of her and Seb, Seb and his sisters, Becca with Seb's sisters, Seb's parents, Becca and Seb with his parents. One picture had fallen. Last Christmas, Becca with all of Seb's family in front of the tree. She stood on the end, Seb's arm around her shoulders. It would be so easy to tear herself out of the picture. Out of any of the pictures, just like Zack always said. She slipped it into the pocket of her oversized sweatshirt. Although alone in the cabin, she still felt crowded by Seb. There wasn't much space here behind the cab, just enough for the little table, a set of bunk beds, a toilet room and sink, and a small countertop to prepare food. Most days it was all she needed. Sometimes, in these grueling dark nights, she wished she could put more space between her and Seb. Becca climbed up onto the top bunk and looked out the window at the snow. The only light around them came from the lights of their train. Otherwise, the sky was black and would remain so for the next ten hours. That's what it was like traveling this far north in the world at this time of year. So dark and so cold. She imagined the engine freezing in this weather. But that wouldn't happen. They would get the cargo to the little Canadian town of Stony Rapids safely, take something back on their return to Seattle. Routine. Normal. Becca glanced over her shoulder toward the direction of the boxcars. They couldn't be accessed from the cab, but she listened carefully. 
The only thing she could hear was the electric hum of the engine and the train's brakes suddenly screeching to a halt. The sudden loss of forward momentum caused Becca to lurch forward. She grabbed the rail and stopped herself from tumbling off the top bunk while their dirty dishes and the book all clattered to the floor. When the train came to a complete stop, Becca climbed down from the top bunk. By the time she reached the driver's compartment, Seb was already zipping up his coat. There's something on the tracks, he said before she could ask. Thank God we're on this straight and flat stretch or we might not have been able to see it in time. Are we stuck? That's what I'm going to find out. As he pulled up the hood of his jacket, Becca grabbed hers. I'm just going to check it out, he said. I don't want you going out there alone. We shouldn't both leave the engine at the same time. It won't be for long. Come on, it's going to be freezing out there. Gloves and balaclava in place, Becca grabbed a flashlight off the hook and slid open the heavy train door. She didn't have to go far before hitting the ground. The snow was up to the tracks. She sunk into her ankles as soon as she stepped out, careful to keep her balance so that she wouldn't topple down the steep hill on their right. The cold stung her exposed skin, so she readjusted the balaclava to cover her nose, got a whiff of coffee from where the balaclava hung on the hook above their percolator, she shone her flashlight down the carriage to the two boxcars. They looked secure. Seb hopped out behind her, and she quickly turned her attention to the front of the train. The high-powered flashlights illuminated the fresh, brilliant white snow that had collapsed onto the tracks from the cliffs above. From what Becca could see, the tracks were covered for about forty yards, maybe more. "'Can't we plow through it?' she asked, looking at the engine's V-front grille. "'Not without knowing what's underneath it,' Seb said. I have no idea if it's just snow or if there's rock under there. He pointed his flashlight up the rocky face. We have to clear out a path so we can check. If it's all snow, then, yeah, I can use the engine to clear the rest. Becca shifted her weight from foot to foot. How long's that going to take? I don't know, an hour? How long did it take us to clear the snow at my parents' place last year? I don't know, too long. She flinched at the whining in her voice and hoped Seb didn't notice. Of course he did. Hey, we'll still get the cargo there in plenty of time. But we're stuck on these tracks for an hour at least. And that's if there isn't some massive boulder underneath all that snow. If there is, we'll have to wait for assistance, which might not get here till morning. Yeah, well, it's annoying, but it's not the end of the world. Becca huffed, warm breath condensing beneath her balaclava. We've gotten stuck before, he said. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. You're right. It's just annoying, that's all. The whole thing I should have never... Never mind. We've got shovels somewhere, right? She trudged back through the heavy snow to the engine, Seb a few steps behind. In the storage underneath the floor. Hey, I am sorry about the stupid joke I made earlier. I should never have said it. We'll finish up this job for your brother and... Thud. Seb spun towards the boxcars. What was that? I didn't hear anything, Becca lied. She hurried into the engine, made a lot of noise pulling up the floor hatch to find the shovels underneath. Do you want the old one or the new one? She shouted, digging around for both. Whatever, he said, lingering in the doorway, attention fixed in the direction of the boxcars. Here's the new one, she handed it up. You can have it. We can trade off halfway through if I start bitching about the old one. Oh, and here are the headlamps. 
He wasn't paying attention. Didn't take either. Becca threw a headlamp at him. It bounced off his chest and he caught it just before it hit the floor. Come on, the snow's not getting any lighter. Loaded up with headlamps and shovels, they headed back out. Becca had just stuck her shovel into the snow pile when a percussive banging sounded. The ringing of metal echoed off the cliffs. There could be no mistaking where it came from. What the hell? Seb took three running steps towards the boxcars before Becca could grab his arm, difficult to get between her thick gloves and his puffy jacket. Becca, what? It's not art, the balaclava muffled her voice. You didn't fart? She pulled the balaclava down, the cold stinging her chapped lips. I said it's not art. Her words puffed coldly white into the air. The banging stopped, replaced by a silence that matched the darkness around them. What's not art? What we're transporting for Zack. Okay. He was trying not to freak out. She could see that in the way his hands kept fidgeting with the shovel's handle. That makes sense. I mean, who would send their entire art collection to Saskatchewan anyway, right? So what is it? She took a deep breath. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? How can you not know? Because Zack didn't tell me. He just said I wasn't supposed to... We have a manifest. Are you telling me we crossed the Canadian border with a false manifest? He said we wouldn't have to worry about it. Everything was taken care of. Great. Wonderful. And I bet he also said that you shouldn't tell me about any of this. Becca looked down at her feet. They were hidden in the snow. Zack, your whole family, they don't have the right to ask favors from you. They... He was giving us a chance. A chance at what? Getting arrested by Canadian authorities? At not going under. Seb looked away from her, out into the vast black night that surrounded them. We're barely covering expenses, she said. We can't save anything. We can barely stop to breathe. I thought you liked the work. I do. I also like breathing. And you, you've gone down two pant sizes from stress. You never look like you get enough sleep, ever. When Zack called, the amount he offered would be enough for us to clear our debt. Upgrade the engine. Be more selective about our clients. We could even take time off. So I said yes. I love this and I love you. But if we keep going at this pace, if we can't slow down... We can't even talk about a book without arguing. I just... I don't know. I don't know. In the absence of their voices, the night was eerily quiet. Whatever sound had been coming from the boxcar had not returned. Seb wouldn't look her in the eye. Did Zack tell you anything about the cargo? He asked. Only that, whatever the circumstances, we were not to open the boxcars. That whatever is in there, we need to leave it alone. Seb nodded. Okay, right. He let out a deep breath, white fog on the air. Well, this won't be the first time I ignored your stepbrother, will it? Seb, wait. But he was already heading for the boxcars. Becca knew he was right. They needed to find out what was going on. Ignore Zack. She shouldn't have even answered the phone when his number popped up. But even at 34 years old, she couldn't shake the tug she felt whenever Zack acted like he wanted to be part of her life. 
couldn't silence the little girl chasing after her new stepbrother, wanting him to like her. She and Seb walked the length of the train, careful not to slip down the steep embankment. There was nothing on this side of the train that looked out of place. No indication of what had made that noise. They rounded the back of the train and walked up the other side, walking single file even though there was room enough to walk side by side. The last boxcar appeared untouched, but not the first. The heavy door was open. Becca held Seb's arm as he stepped forward. We can't go in there. Why not? As far as I'm concerned, all that's in there is art. He shrugged her off and climbed inside. Becca shifted her weight from foot to foot. Even in her gloves, her hands were getting cold, and she could hardly feel the shovel she was holding. Seb? Seb! We need to clear the snow! You can argue with me about this later, but we need to go. Yeah, about that. Becca, you should probably get in here. Becca hesitated. The thought of disobeying this direct order from Zack was like going into his bedroom without permission. If she stepped foot inside that boxcar, she imagined her stepmom popping up out of nowhere to yell at her and lock her in her room. Seb, what is it? He didn't answer. What if he was hurt? What if something had attacked him? Becca stuck her shovel in the snow, closed her eyes, and followed him into the boxcar. When she reopened her eyes, she didn't see her stepmom anywhere. Just Seb, standing in the center of the container, his headlamp pointed at the back of the boxcar. The back wall was lined with steel cages. Four across, too high. So, Seb said, I'm going to guess that it's not just the cages we were transporting. Becca's mouth went dry. Nope. I'm going to say there was probably something in those cages. Yep. And now those somethings are gone. Yep. They both stared silently at the open doors of the eight cages. The cold dampened the smells but a distinct whiff of urine and straw lingered in the air. He really didn't... No, Becca shook her head. I didn't know. He said the cargo was dangerous, but he never said... Cages? I thought chemicals or explosives, something hazardous. What is Zach doing again? Seb asked. Biomedical research. And he probably wouldn't use cages like that for soft fluffy bunnies, would he? I'm going to say no, Becca said. Whatever had been there was long gone, but the boxcar wasn't empty. Becca found wooden crates stacked up against the opposite wall. A crowbar rested on top of one. Zack once pinched her hard enough to bruise because she had set a basket of his laundry in his room. Even though her dad had asked her to do it, it hadn't mattered to Zack. She'd entered his personal zone without permission. Though years gone, she could feel the pinch on her arm as she picked up the crowbar. If they didn't get back what had been in those cages, Zack would give her more than a pinch. She pried open the nearest crate. The nails came loose with a pop. Stacked inside were collars that had been wrapped in bubble wrap. Collars with spikes directed in towards the neck. She pried open a second crate. This one was filled with what looked like cattle prods. She picked one up pressed a button on the handle. Electricity sparked in the air, so strong it made her whole arm shake. 
She dropped it back in the crate with a clatter. Before she could tell Seb what she found, a shriek cut through the silence. Seb was immediately at her side, shining his light out into the darkness. That sounded like... like a person, he said. A woman? A fox. Foxes scream like that. Becca remembered going outside of their house at night, listening to the nocturnal animals in the woods that bordered their property. A fox family lived there one spring, a mother and her cubs. She would shriek when she called for them. Becca had made the mistake of telling her family about them during dinner one night. Zack snuck into her room and told her he'd sprinkled rat poison out in the woods. She never figured out if he was telling the truth, but she never saw or heard the foxes again. Another shriek pealed through the air. A dark shadow dashed past the opening of the boxcar, followed seconds later by another. Then came a clink, 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 like claws walking on metal. Becca grabbed two of the electric prods out of the crate and shoved one into Seb's hands. What are you doing? he asked. Like you said, it's not soft, fluffy bunnies, is it? Yeah, and whatever it actually is, I'm certainly not trained to handle it. You're an engineer. I'm sure you can figure it out. Prod and zap. This time when she pressed the button, she was prepared. Her arm shook, but she managed to hold tight. A train engineer. You know we could just let whatever those things are go and say we had an accident, which is true, and lose the cargo? Insurance will cover it. You think that will matter to Zack? She stepped towards the open door. We just need to herd them back into the boxcar, she said. We don't have to get them back into the cages. And it doesn't concern you that they figured out how to open the cages and the boxcar. Becca didn't answer. All she could think was that her family, what was left of them, would use this as another mark against her, another excuse to call her a failure. And Zack would... She didn't want to think about what Zack would do. She turned off her headlamp and, slowly, leaned out of the boxcar. Two sets of prints led through the snow, prints from a large dog or cat. She couldn't tell which. Movement above caught her eye. Two creatures paced the roof of the other boxcar. In the darkness, she could make out a large tail and pointed ears. She watched closely, letting her eyes further adjust to the darkness. The two creatures, animals, weren't just pacing. They were communicating but not like any animal she had ever seen. Maybe gorillas or chimps, but not dogs or cats, which were what these seemed to be. She still couldn't quite tell, although she was leaning towards dog, or at least dog-like. The animals faced each other and communicated in soft grunts and quiet yips. One motioned with its head, and the other moved off in that direction, then returned, and seemed to report something. Becca didn't know exactly what they were after, but whatever they wanted was inside that second boxcar. She ducked back inside. If I use the cattle prod on the boxcar, she said, the current should travel through the metal and zap them. Will that kill them? Seb asked. I don't know. It's not like this thing is labeled harmless zap to death zap. Put it on the lowest setting, he said. What if I just annoy them with a mild zap? Seb looked over the prod. I can safely say I don't think there's anything mild about this. Then the mountain rumbled, paused, then rumbled again. 
Becca held on to Seb for support as the ground shook, but Seb wasn't holding on to anything. They both fell. Becca wasn't sure how she didn't accidentally electrocute either of them with the cattle prod. She thought the moment had passed, but another rumble came, and this one didn't stop. It sounded like another train was headed for them, but from above, which was impossible. She crawled to the edge of the boxcar door and looked up at the darkened mountain. A mist of snow was falling down, illuminated by the moonlight, a precursor of what was to come. Avalanche, she whispered. Then she looked up at the two animals. They were staring up at the mountain, clearly aware that something was happening, but they weren't moving. Becca got to her feet and leaned out of the boxcar. Becca, wait! Avalanche! she called out. The two animals looked at her. It's an avalanche! Get down! she waved her arms. You have to get down! Seb pulled her back inside as the first crush of snow fell. It thundered around them the boxcar shaking as she and Seb held each other. She waited for the train to be knocked over by the snow, for the boxcar to be sent tumbling down the side of the mountain. Then there was nothing. The snow tapered off, its thundering silenced. She and Seb checked to make sure the other was okay, then Becca crawled back to the boxcar door. It was concealed by snow except at the very top. Some snow had drifted inside, but they weren't buried, at least not completely. When she climbed to the top of the snowdrift, she was able to clear a wide enough gap to squeeze through. Be careful, Seb called up. It's okay, I think. Come on. Seb crawled up and she gave him a hand at the top. They stood side by side on the snow. Their heads were now almost level with the top of the front boxcar, but the engine remained mostly uncovered. The worst of what seemed to be a small avalanche had fallen behind the train instead of falling directly on the train partially covering the first boxcar. But the second boxcar. They couldn't see it at all. Where is it? Becca asked. Where are they? Seb started making his way over to where the second boxcar should have been, and Becca followed, but it was difficult getting through the snow. Her shorter legs kept sinking in, sometimes up to her knees. I think it's here, he said. I think it got knocked on its side, but it's still attached. Those things, did they... He looked over the side of the cliff. Shh, Becca said. Do you hear that? Hear what? Shh. She closed her eyes. There it was, just underneath the silence. Something crying, whimpering. She couldn't tell if it was the animals she had seen on top of the boxcar or if the sound was coming from inside the boxcar. Either way, it was coming from underneath the snow. Where are the shovels? Do you see them? They must have gotten buried. Hang on, Becca called down into the snow. Hang on, we're going to get you out. She dropped to her knees and started brushing the snow away with her hands. Seb joined her and they worked silently side by side, the light of their headlamps bouncing on the white ground. It soon became clear that the cries were coming from inside the boxcar. Whatever had escaped from the one car, there were more in the other and these would not be able to free themselves. Her muscles ached, and she was sweating underneath her layers of clothes, which made her skin both hot yet clammy, but she didn't want to stop. She kept thinking of those foxes, of the gleam in Zack's eye when he told her what he'd done. How, even if he hadn't actually done it, the thought of doing it was enough to make him smile. 
the same smile he wore when he would pinch her or pull out her hair or trip her as she walked down the sidewalk to the bus stop. When a shriek from down the cliff traveled up through the air, she thought it only her memory, her own voice traveling from the past. But the cries inside the trapped boxcar amplified. Becca crawled to the edge of the cliff and peered down. She spotted the animal about thirty yards below, its lower half trapped in the snow while its front paws scrambled for purchase. It shrieked again. Becca started for the edge of the cliff, but Seb held her back. No way! It's way too steep! We can't just leave it there. Half an hour ago you were ready to zap those things. Not to kill them. Seb thought for a moment. There's rope in the engine, he said. Hurry! Becca tried to clear more snow off the boxcar as she waited, but her attention was only half on the job. The other half was on the animal struggling to free itself. It was tiring quickly, wearing itself out. She called down. Stop! It looked up at her. We're coming down there to get you. My husband went to get some rope. It looked in the direction Seb had gone. I'll be down there soon. Save your energy. It looked for a moment like it wanted to disagree with her, but acquiesced, laying its head down on the snow. It seemed to take Seb forever to return with the rope. When he did, Becca immediately tied it around her waist, not giving him a chance to rest. You got me? she asked. It would be better if I could tie the other end to something. Yeah, to what? A snowbank? Just hold tight. As you wish. Becca slowly made her way down the cliff, which, after the avalanche, had become more like a steep embankment. She crawled down feet first, belly against the snow, occasionally looking back over her shoulder to see how close she was getting. She stopped about five yards away. The animal lifted its head and growled. For the first time, she could see it clearly. It looked less like a fox and more like a white German shepherd that had somehow grown wrong. Its ears and snout weren't quite the right proportions. Its fur wasn't actually white, but a very pale tan, like someone who hadn't seen the sun in years. Patches of fur were missing from around its neck, and she could see some scars, some healed, others fresh. Its eyes, which were two different colors like she sometimes saw in huskies, stared at her with the intelligence of a human. One of the eyes reminded her uncomfortably of her own. She reached out a hand. It growled, and she pulled back. I'm Becca. My husband, Sebastian, and I were driving the train that was taking you north. It growled again. I didn't know that's what we were doing. I mean, I didn't know the cargo was you and your... She didn't know what to call them. Your family... I'm sorry. That's no excuse. But I don't want you to die here trapped in the snow, okay? Seb and I are trying to get the rest of your family out of the other box car. I think they're okay, but they need you. So will you let me help? Please. She remembered what Zack had told her about how dangerous the cargo was, how that was why he'd wanted her and Seb to transport it, because he could only trust family. But had he trusted them, or did he just not care if either of them ended up dead? If this animal were free, it could kill her quickly. She had no doubts about that. Its jaws could easily latch onto her neck, and she would be gone before Seb could reach her. And then it would get Seb, too. But at the moment, the animal did not appear interested in attacking. It seemed to be weighing its options. It had understood every word she said. 
She didn't know how to explain that, but she knew it was true. Finally, the animal nodded. Okay, I'm going to go around to your back. It's your back legs that are stuck, right? I'm going to dig out the snow then if I need to. I'll help lift you out. She remembered the comfort of seeing her doctor for her annual physical and how the doctor would always explain everything she was going to do before she did it. Becca hoped her explanations brought the animal some of the same comfort. As she moved slowly down beside the animal, she looked around at the unbroken snow that surrounded them. Your, your friend who was on top of the boxcar with you, is he, is she? The animal looked down and gave a small shake of its head. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. She did as she said and started digging out the animal's legs. The snow had trapped its back end, but it was able to wriggle more with each handful of snow that she removed. Does anything feel broken? she asked. It grunted in response, which she took as a no. When it was almost free, it moved more exuberantly, making it difficult for Becca to work. Hold on, I'm almost there. I said... With a big push on its own, it kicked up out of the snow, its large back paws hitting Becca in the face, knocking her backward. The rope held her, but she looked dizzily upside down at the vast expanse of nothing where the ground fell away. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. She couldn't hear Seb calling to her, but then the blood was also rushing to her head. The rope remained tight. He had her. She managed to pull herself up to a seated position and saw the animal leaping up the embankment, apparently none the worse for wear. Okay, she said to herself. Your turn. Using the rope to guide her, she crawled slowly up the embankment, which was a lot harder than going down. Gravity and exhaustion were working against her. Seb was trying to help, pulling up on the rope, but then Becca felt the tightness of the rope disappear. It had come loose from her waist. Seb was pulling up nothing. He didn't realize it right away, and when he did, the rope was out of her reach. Becca remained frozen where she was, clinging to the embankment. She could feel the snow giving way underneath her feet, and there was nothing but loose snow to grab onto. Seb was shouting something at her, probably something about tying the rope back around her waist, but Becca couldn't move. You're okay. You're okay, she whispered. She lifted her right foot found a new place to rest it, lifted her left. The snow gave way underneath her. Her whole body started sliding down the embankment. Something clamped onto her gloved wrist. Two blurs passed by on either side and then her feet were supported. She could glimpse two animals underneath her feet, using their heads to support her. She looked up into the pale animal's mismatched eyes. Her wrist gently in its mouth. It nodded. Becca nodded back. Slowly, she was pulled and pushed up the embankment. As soon as she was close enough, Seb grabbed her and took her the rest of the way. They sat together on the ground, holding one another, out of breath. The three animals that had helped her trotted over to reunite with their group. She counted seven, which would make sense. There had been eight cages in the first boxcar, and one animal had been lost in the avalanche. The animals all looked similar, but with different patterns to their fur and different sets of mismatched eyes. All bore scars around their necks. The whimpering in the second boxcar continued. Right, Seb whispered. So what do we do? Becca's eyes met the pale ones. 
For the first time she saw the fear there. It lowered its head. She and Seb may have been outnumbered, but they were human, and, whatever these things were, they knew the dangers of humans. And if they had somehow overheard any of her conversations with Seb, then they knew she was related to Zack, who she knew must have done the worst to them. Their tails were between their legs, their ears back and heads low, avoiding eye contact. They felt guilty for their escape, thought of the punishment coming their way for their disobedience. If she wanted to, Becca could probably convince them to return to the boxcar, return to their cages, and there they would stay, cowed by their failed attempt at escape. We go back to the driver's compartment, she said, and send out an SOS over the radio. We got caught in an avalanche. We can't move. We don't know what's happened to our cargo. We think it got destroyed in the avalanche. So, the cargo's lost? The pale one met her eyes. The cargo's lost, she said. How about that? She and Seb got to their feet. The animals parted for them as the pair hobbled back towards the engine. It'll take a while for anyone to get to us, Seb said. Maybe I need to give the book another read. Try and see it from your perspective. He sighed. Look at all that snow. Good thing the goldfinch is a really freaking long book. Becca looked over her shoulder, but there was nothing to see. Lauren A. Forey, a frequent contributor to Brick Moon Fiction, was brought up in the woods of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where her FBI agent father and book-loving mother raised her on a diet of the X-Files and R.L. Stein. She earned her MFA in creative writing from Kingston University in London and was awarded the Faber and Faber Creative Writing M.A. Prize for her first horror novel, The Compulsion. Her debut novel, Abigail Hall, a psychological thriller, is available from Black and White Publishing. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.